going to talk about provider well-being and self-care and specifically for today's presentation we're going to be discussing the creation of a wellness plan particularly in times like today where things feel really uncertain now my name is david hanick and i'm a a lead implementation specialist with the a public mental health partnership, which is between the Department of Mental Health and UCLA. And we are here to provide support to, uh, to those mental health professionals who are doing such amazing work out in the field and FSP teams and home teams. And so hopefully this is going to be one of those presentations that will also um, help strengthen your, uh, your abilities to do, again, the, the very important work that you do and we are excited to be able to do it in this format. So in order to get started, or, or before we jump into today's content, I want to turn the uh, platform over to Jean Lundquist, and she's also with the uh, DMHUCLA uh, Public Mental Health Partnership, and she's going to start us with just a really basic grounding exercise to kind of get us in the mood um, for talking about self-care. Thank you so much, David. Um, I will send out a link. This meditation is through the UCLA um, mindful resources that we have. So we're just going to start out with a brief five minute or less <laughs> meditation to just kind of center ourselves and appreciate for taking the time today during these kind of stressful times. So with that, you can keep your eyes open or closed and we're just going to begin. So find a relaxed, comfortable position, seated on a chair or on the floor, on a cushion. Keep your back upright, but not too tight. Hands resting wherever they're comfortable. And begin to notice your body. The weight, the touch, and let yourself relax. Becoming curious, in the sensations while seated here. The connection with the floor, the chair, and try to relax any areas of tightness or tension. Just breathing, softening. And now begin to tune into your breath in your body feeling the natural flow. You don't need to do anything to your breath, not long, not short, just natural. Begin to notice where you feel your breath in your body. It might be in your abdomen, it may be in your chest, your throat, or in your nostrils. See if you can feel the sensations of breath. One breath at a time. When one breath ends, the next breath begins. Now as you do this, you might notice that your mind may start to wander. You may start thinking about other things. If this happens, this is not a problem. It's very natural. Just notice that your mind has wandered. You can say thinking or wandering 
your head softly. And then gently redirect your attention right back to the breathing. Noticing our breaths. And seeing if you can be really kind to yourself in this process. From time to time, getting lost in thought, but always returning to our breath. Noticing our body seated here. Let yourself relax even more deeply. And then offer yourself some appreciation for doing this practice today. Say the following phrases to yourself softly and gently. May I be safe. May I be peaceful. May I be kind to myself. May I accept myself as I am. Finding a sense of ease and well-being for yourself and this day. Thank you all for taking the time for this brief practice today. When you're ready, you can reorient yourselves, open your eyes, adjust your surroundings, and David will begin the training shortly. Thank you, Jean. That was really, really nice. It actually is perfect to begin present uh, to begin presenting a training. I actually feel a little bit calmer. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. And um, nothing like uh, snapping you out of our meditative stance by talking about some learning objectives. But I promise we'll be brief and we won't spend a lot of time on those. But we want to hopefully talk about key concepts um, that have to do with self-care and what you might be experiencing in times like now. Um, those concepts include uncertainty, rumination, and, and self-care, of course. We want to learn about the concept of subjective units of distress for measuring your own emotions, as well as service recipients' emotions. But honestly, the focus today is going to be on us as, as providers. And we want to review the importance of self-care. And then finally, we want to develop a comprehensive self-care plan. And most importantly, we really just want everybody to enjoy this one hour. And I hope it's a nice break from, um, from the other activities that you've been participating in um, uh, since uh, things have, have sort of unfolded in our society. So let's start here. So, I want to talk about uh, some of the emotions that you may be experiencing or maybe people in your family are experiencing. I'm going to first focus on some of the unpleasant emotions, but we're also going to talk about pleasant emotions as well. So here on the, on the screen, I have some of those unpleasant emotions that are really possible to experience during these times. And here you'll see I have you know, sadness, anxious, maybe feeling overwhelmed. And I'm curious to know what some of your, uh, what sort of feelings maybe have you been experiencing, at least as it relates to some of these unpleasant emotions. Now, I'm gonna put a poll up on the screen. 
And if you feel comfortable, I would love for you to be able to share any, any of the emotions that you're currently feeling. And you're able to select more than one. And if you don't want to share, that's okay too. You don't have to. These are anonymous, so I will not be able to track who's feeling what. Um, and again, this is not an exclusive list. You know, there's many emotions that we might be feeling that aren't necessarily listed. And one that I really wanted to mention, and I will once we get into this, but I notice I don't have the feeling of guilt up here. Um, and that is another emotion that uh, could be common for people to experience during this time. So I see a whole lot of entries going in. I, I really appreciate that. I'm gonna give it another 20 seconds and then we'll go ahead and end the poll and take a look at what all of those responses are. And just five more seconds to get all of those answers in. Great, thank you for doing that. And let's see if I could share the results. Here we go. So not surprisingly, we have 85% of the people online are experiencing some level of anxiety or at least feeling anxious. Um, and we have a, a good number of people feeling confused and frustrated. Um, some people even feeling angry, uh, people feeling sad. Uh, detached is one that I can definitely empathize with. Um, been feeling that a lot of things have been feeling uh, quite surreal lately. So, uh, and then lonely. So thank you so much. I, I appreciate you sharing those and, and what you're experiencing. I'm going to remove that from the screen. And I would like to go to looking at some of these possible pleasant emotions. And I want to, uh, once we do the poll, we're going to talk about why people may be experiencing some of these pleasant emotions. But let's first Go to the poll and see if you are experiencing any of these. And if you're not, that's definitely okay. Um, and if you are and you feel comfortable, go ahead and uh, check which one you think you might be experiencing right now. And I'll leave this up here for a few moments. And as we wait just that last 10 seconds for more uh, answers to come through, I, I thought uh, everyone would appreciate that I listed these uh, using emojis because I imagine we're going to be using a lot of these emojis as we are um, social distancing over these next few weeks and hopefully not months, but perhaps months. Um, I imagine uh, who would have ever guessed the emojis would come in so handy. Um, but certainly times like today, I'm like, all right, I guess these were a good idea. So thanks Apple for creating emojis for us. Um, all right, I'm gonna go ahead and end the poll and let's go ahead and share these results. So um, I, I love that a lot of people are feeling loving and optimistic. Um, and maybe I shouldn't say a lot of people compared to some of those unpleasant emotions. We have a, you know, a lot fewer of the pleasant emotions that people are experiencing. But great. No one's necessarily uh, no one's necessarily feeling happy about this, but maybe some relief, maybe some contentment, feeling optimistic, and of course, loving is a really great um, a really great uh, emotion to experience. So I'm going to have to stop sharing this now, and then let's talk about some of these emotions. So the reason I really wanted to bring up this wide array of emotions from unpleasant to pleasant is that 
what we're experiencing right now is absolutely normal. We're going through some really unusual times, certainly something that I've never experienced. And I've, you know, I lived in, I, if you've heard me talk, you've heard me share many stories from New Orleans and I've been through disasters before and nothing really quite compares to what we're going through at this point. And um, it can really bring so many different feelings. And, you know, the quick, the easiest ones to think about are these, uh, I'm gonna go back here, are, are these unpleasant emotions. Like it makes sense that we're feeling overwhelmed or that we're feeling confused. Um, you know, I do tend to watch a lot of news and I start to feel a little bit anxious when I, when I overdo it and I have to put parameters around that. And certainly feeling overwhelmed is a common feeling. Um, and I think these are pretty easy to understand why, but then when we talk about some of these pleasant emotions, I think it's important to not discount that they may come up as well. Might be feeling optimistic that things are going to really work out in the future. Um, and something I wanted to note about feeling these possible pleasant emotions is that you don't need to feel guilt about having these. You know, I think, I know this is a really uh, stressful time and a difficult time and you know, uh, people of course are getting ill and people have lost their lives, people have lost their jobs. Those are all really, really terrible things. Um, but there are still some positives that we might be experiencing. And if we do, it's okay. We don't need to feel guilt about feeling some of these good things, even though all this other bad stuff is going on around us. You know, I have to say, I do feel relieved that I'm saving two hours a day and not having to sit in LA traffic at this point. Um, perhaps you had a big project coming up and uh, that project is now postponed because of a coronavirus. So it's okay to have a sense of relief there. But what's even most important is that you give yourself permission to feel whatever emotion it is that you are experiencing at this time, whether it's anger, frustration, or content. Uh, whatever it is, it's okay to feel that. These are very, uh, again, very different times. So you might think this is silly, but I actually created a little certificate. So if anyone's telling you that your feelings are not valid and this is an inappropriate time to feel it, you could print this out, write your name in it and say, listen, I have a certificate of permission and I am able to feel happy or I am able to feel scared and anxious about the future because it's my own emotion. And, uh, and that's important for us to embrace and recognize instead of denying it or instead of trying to contain it or put it away. These are difficult times. So let's validate those and, uh, and try to be supportive of those who are going through some challenging times. Now, before I go on, I want to just check in. I don't see a whole lot of questions coming up. Um, but Elizabeth, has anything come up on your end? Do you have any comments or questions from our audience? None directly to me, no. Okay, great. Well, if anyone has anything, feel free to type that in and, uh, and we'll, we'll go ahead and, and check those. So let's first talk about uncertainty. So uncertainty, it's the, of course, the lack of certainty. <laughs> it's a pretty easy start to the definition. It's a state of having limited knowledge where it is impossible to exactly describe what's going on or what we could expect or what the outcome of the situation is. I, I think we can really 
uh, probably all relate to this. I, I imagine if two weeks ago I shared with everyone that, hey, guess what? In two weeks, we're all going to be working from home. We're not going to be able to go to the store to buy electronics, or we're not able to go and get a haircut, and we have to keep social distancing. You would all would think that I was a little crazy, but yet here we are. Um, two weeks, or maybe even a week ago, I probably wouldn't have thought these things. Um, but here we are, and we don't know exactly what's coming. And when people experience a lot of uh, uncertainty in their life, it really kind of it really can relate to our sense of control. When we don't know what's coming or even what we're currently experiencing, we can sometimes feel that we are not so much in control of that situation. And of course, there are a lot of aspects to what what's going on with us that we that we don't have a lot of control over. Um, but certainly, recognizing that that lack of control is in existence right now, and that there are things that are uncertain, being able to recognize and validate those is a really important step. And recognizing that uncertainty does produce a lot of stress for individuals. And there's actually evidence to support that uncertainty can impact our mood in negative ways, such as lower our sense of self-esteem and increase sadness and maybe depression. So let's acknowledge those things. Um, and here on the screen, you'll see that uh, the current reality definitely can cause individuals a, a sense of uncertainty. We have research to, to know that uncertainty can result in feelings of sadness and anxiety. And in related, related to emotional uncertainty, there are other concepts like low self-esteem, rumination, and even an inability to detach from the stressful situation. Those can oftentimes go along with it. So um, we'll, we'll process those concepts in a little bit more detail. But remember, if you or your family members are feeling sadness, stress, or anxiety, or even fear, those are normal reactions. Um, there's nothing crazy about having those feelings and acknowledging them is, is a really important start. So I wanted to talk about rumination because it really goes hand in hand with uncertainty. Sometimes when we're uncertain about things, we have this idea that the more we think about it, we might be able to get to a resolution. The more we run a thought or a problem through our head over and over again, we have that glimmer of hope of, hey, maybe I'm gonna get to the right solution if I just keep focusing on it, if I just keep thinking about it. And I know in my experience, there comes a point where thinking about a certain situation it just starts to not be helpful anymore. So here, in the, here on the image of the screen, we have our, our little smiley person ruminating about toilet paper and maybe ruminating about staying germ-free. Now, the more and more that this person thinks about these things, it's likely that there's not going to be a solution that results from thinking about it. And in fact, rumination tends to lead to um, feeling more and more anxious. It could also contribute to feeling depressed or sad and also that same self-esteem issue. So being able to identify when we are ruminating is a really important step. And also acknowledging that, you know what, rumination is probably not going to get me any sort of resolve. I could think about a problem and if I come up with a solution, awesome. But if I don't, it's okay to put that thought aside. And now we're gonna talk about how we can maybe compartmentalize some of those ruminating thoughts as we go into the actual planning part of today's presentation. But I definitely wanted to introduce this concept of rumination and uh, situations like today, I imagine that uh, this is a fairly common uh, coping mechanism that just isn't always that helpful. 
And, you know, along with rumination, I think it's important to, uh, to recognize that it's easy to ruminate when everything on the news is really all about the coronavirus and not that it shouldn't be. Um, obviously, there's constantly new uh, news and information uh, coming across and new announcements from the county and the state and, of course, the federal level. And it's so easy to get stuck in that uh, in that media uh, vice, I guess you can say. And so putting parameters around that for yourself can be really important, like maybe reserving an hour of the day where you just get to focus on watching the news. And that's where you get to ruminate. And then after that, it's contained and you don't need to think about it anymore. You don't need to think about it as intensely. So again, I'll talk about that a little bit more as we go through. But let's look at this, breaking the downward spiral. So when we get into our thoughts and they start to ruminate, sometimes you might have noticed that you may start thinking about toilet paper and then the next thing you're really, your, your thoughts have gone down the rabbit hole and you're talking and you're thinking about, you know, how am I going to have enough groceries? How am I going to be able to get out? What if my grandmother or grandfather or maybe my best friend, what if they get sick? How are they going to cope with that? And you'll, you may recognize that our thoughts tend to make this downward spiral. So we want to be able to hopefully break that downward spiral when we recognize that we're in it. And what's most important is bringing you back to the present moment, because when we start ruminating, when we go down that downward spiral, we're typically now no longer in the present. We're oftentimes either in the past or we may be in the future. We may be thinking about what if, what will happen, how will I uh, do something or make it through something. But let's bring us back to the present and being in the present moment. Remember, the more you think about something, it does not mean that you're more likely to solve the problem, but perhaps setting time aside where you know, you know what, I don't need to, I don't need to go down the spiral right now, and I'm going to save some time later in the day. I'm going to journal for maybe five, ten minutes, and that's going to be my opportunity to maybe get some of these thoughts out of my head. Um, but right now, I don't need to do that. Another really common way to kind of break that downward spiral and to pull yourself out of that rumination is maybe listen to some music that was meaningful for you during a time where things were going really well in your life. Um, sometimes we forget about how wonderful music can be and how it could really bring us to uh, kind of get us out of this spiraling impact, uh, the spiraling effect that our minds have the tendency to do sometimes. Um, okay, and then my final thought about rumination is just that it is the opposite of mindfulness. And while this presentation isn't specifically on mindfulness, um, I think it's important to, to bring it up. And I'm going to read this definition. I know you guys can read as well, but just for those, if you're not looking at it from, um, if you're not viewing it on the screen and you're just listening, the definition is. Uh, is of rumination, excuse me, is this kind of restricting, restrictive thinking can exacerbate negative thoughts, emotions, and pull an individual out of the reality of the present moment, submerging him or her in perseverative uh, thought patterns involving the past, fantasy, or the future. So that's rumination, and it's the opposite of mindfulness, where the mindfulness aspect is where we're just focused on our present moment and, um, and what's currently going on with us, as opposed to kind of uh, allowing our minds to wander. 
So in this moment, I want to see if there are any comments or questions that you all would like to share, um, specifically about rumination or maybe mindfulness. Um, I see that there are a few, um, a few suggestions on the chat box. So um, Dr. Bromley, our director, was suggesting that you know, music is a good one, but also you, know, you can take a walk or do some stretches or even make a phone call to a friend. That can be, those are all really excellent ways to break out of that thought pattern. So I wanted to mention subjective units of distress. I'm not sure if anyone has heard of these before, but this is a technique that comes from cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's a really excellent way for individuals to just kind of monitor how they're feeling in that moment. And whatever the feeling is, this is the measurement of distressful emotions. So if you're feeling angry or if you're feeling frustrated or maybe even tired, if that's that distressful feeling you're experiencing, that's what we would want to measure with the subjective units of distress. Now, the abbreviation is SUDS, but that can sometimes be confused for substance use disorders, so um, I'll usually spell it out. Um, but this is a great start to just being in touch with, uh, with how you're feeling and if there are any changes. So, if your subjective unit of distress, let's say I'm gonna, I'll use myself as an example and maybe I'm feeling anxious. Um, if I were to rate my unit of distress as a one, that means I'm feeling basically no anxiety. However, if I was feeling a 10, that would mean I'm feeling the most anxious I've ever been in my life. So everyone's, uh, everyone's range is going to be a little bit different. It's all based on your own context. Now this is something that could be done really easily and really quickly. So you can do this throughout the day, maybe just have a post-it and I'm like, wow, I'm recognizing I'm feeling a little uncomfortable, what's going on? And maybe I'm feeling anxious because I'm doing a presentation. And so I'm gonna say my subjective unit of distress right now is a five. But I wonder how it'll go down as the day proceeds. Of course, once I'm done presenting, I expect that that anxiety might go down a lot or maybe I'll make a lot of really big mistakes and once I'm done, my subjective units of distress are gonna go through the roof. But um, regardless, I'm gonna know where it's at and I'm gonna be able to recognize that there are changes throughout the day. So this is a tool I would encourage you to use if you think it's something that you feel would helpful, be helpful to you. And I just wanna say, I, I, we, got a, we did get a, a comment here from Andrew. So thank you, Andrew, for sharing. But getting outside in whatever way we can and just be for a bit, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and we are allowed to go outside at least so far until things change. But right now, it is yes, go outside, enjoy nature as long as you are keeping your distance um, from others and uh, you know not maintaining that social distance is the new buzz phrase. But thanks, Andrew, I really appreciate that. Okay. So we talked about some of the emotions we might be experiencing. We talked about rumination and uncertainty, which I think are probably some really common things we're feeling right now. And then we looked at ways to measure that subjectively for our own self. So now we're gonna look at what do we do to, to address some of those things. And that's where we come to self-care. I know you've heard self-care a million times, and so this is going to be a million and one, but you know what, in times like this, I think it's just so important that we prioritize that. So 
what is self-care? Well, it's, it includes an awareness of our needs and limits, our balance and work and play, and a connection to self and others. So there's a reference in the corner there where you can see where I got this definition, but you can remember this as basically A, B, C. Awareness is the A, awareness of our needs and limits. B, which is having balance and work and play, and then C, connection to self and to others. And you know, sometimes that connection to self and others, times like this, we're a little bit challenged to do that, so we have to be creative. And uh, we have to use technology such as Zoom, um, or maybe even FaceTime, or, or uh, whatever other applications are out there to stay connected. But connection really is important. So that's kind of the basic definition there that I wanted to share with you all. And now let's look at a few concepts that relate to self-care. Now, the model that I use is from Patricia Burke, and she created this model in 2006. And she described a self-care plan as something that's accessible, it's acceptable, and appropriate to your unique circumstances. And I think it's a great way to describe a self-care plan. And I also want to reference something that, uh, that one of my colleagues, uh, Lisa Davis, who is our associate director of the program of uh, PMHP, uh, shared today. It's really about finding what nourishes you. So what's good for me, what feels really great for me may not be the same for, for someone who's um, listening and watching today's presentation, but it's about taking that step back and being, being able to think and being able to have that insight to say, wow, what is it that makes me feel nourished inside? And um, whatever that is, Remember it, write it down, um, so that way you can revisit it when you're not feeling so good. So again, what nourishes yourself and, um, and utilize those things. And I wanna emphasize that it's not about treating yourself. I think that that phrase comes up quite often and um, treating yourself is something you do uh, or treating anybody is maybe something you do as a reward or something extra. And I don't believe that self-care is something extra. You know, when I feed my dog, I don't say, hey, here's a treat for you. I'm like, no, that's actually just my obligation. As a pet owner, I need to give you food. It's not a reward. It's simple nourishment that you need to survive. And we could look at self-care in the same way. It's not something special. It's not something that we get only if we've done something good, like it's a reward. It's something that we should be giving ourselves all the time because it is, it is a necessity. Um, just like, and I'm sure you, many of you have heard that in this analogy before, but you wouldn't think of going for a drive without putting gasoline in it. And it's very similar for us. We wouldn't think about doing this incredibly difficult work um, and and thinking that we don't need to take care of ourselves like you absolutely need to do that um and we're going to look at this next slide actually i i i'm really interested to hear what um what some of you all might think um but the green cross academy of traumatology i'm not sure if anyone has heard of them before but they actually view self-care as an ethical responsibility now i don't say this in order to make you feel guilty and if you do tend to lack self-care. I'm not saying you're unethical, that is not the intent. But I really appreciate just kind of their very, um, their very uh, uh, 
view on this that, that prioritizes it. And so I'm going to read through these really quickly. The, the responsibility of self-care, ultimately, it is your responsibility to take care of yourself, and no situation nor person can justify neglecting it. Um, so important for that statement. I, I love that they say no one can tell you that it's not important because we all know that it is. Seek, find, and remember appreciation from supervisors and clients. These and other activities increase worker satisfaction, which sustains helpers emotionally and spiritually in their helping. And then finally, make a formal, tangible commitment written, public, specific, and measurable promises to self-care. So that's what we're going to get into. And these are just three things that come from those docu from that document. Now, Sasha, who is uh, who's one of our colleagues with PMHP, she had sent this out to you right at the beginning of today's presentation. So this is one of those documents. So I'd encourage you to take a look at it and uh, yeah, see what you think about it. I, I think these are some really great statements about taking care of ourselves. And um, I, we have been getting a few comments, which I really appreciate uh, those coming in, but the more we can incorporate different senses is great, like petting our pets can be great. I totally agree, uh, that comes from Andrew. And um, uh, the uh, power of smells, uh, Anahi, I hope I said your name correctly, and I apologize if I, if I didn't, um, but lighting a candle or using a diffuser for essential oils and positive smells help you feel more grounded and present. Oh, it's such a wonderful idea. It's one of those things that I often forget, and I have candles around here, and I always forget to actually utilize them. Instead, they collect dust. Um, and then somebody says that uh, relaxing sounds and Headspace is free right now for providers. All you need is your NPI. So that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that comment. And Headspace is a really great application that does some guided imagery and some meditation. So thank you for sharing um, really great suggestions. So here is a uh, the comprehensive self-care plan. Now, my only criticism of this is that I don't think it's very comprehensive. It's actually really simple, but that doesn't mean it's bad. It's actually, it's kind of good because if a self-care plan was in fact comprehensive, I don't know who would be really motivated to complete it. Um, right now, I, the last thing our FSP and home team providers need is more paperwork. So keeping a comprehensive self-care plan that is simple is probably the best way to go. So this is the one that was created by Patricia Burke and you should all have this in your email attachments. It's super easy to complete. There are just eight boxes and we're going to go through those and um, you could print this out jot some ideas down um, but the idea is that you use this to identify strategies it requires a personal and professional commitment so what i mean by that is you really do have to commit to doing it it's not it's not as simple as saying yeah i need to prioritize self-care like you actually do need to set some time aside to think about it, maybe jot some ideas down. And I encourage you to share it with somebody that you trust, um, just so that there's some sort of accountability, not, not a punitive accountability, of course, but just somebody to be able to check in and say, hey, I know you said you were gonna take an extra walk around lunchtime, have you been able to do that? Um, you know, and if I knew somebody was gonna check in on me on that, I'd probably make more of a, uh, uh, I'd put more effort into actually doing that. 
So let's take a closer look at some of these categories. So the first one is physical. And I wrote down a few ideas here that um, may apply to some of you, may not apply to, to all of you, but as I said, I'm a dog owner. So when I take her out for her to use the bathroom, it's probably a good idea. I take a little bit of an extra long time doing that. The weather is beautiful outside, it seems right now, and going an extra block would be good for both of us. Um, Somebody had shared this idea, and I, I had it written already too, but I just thought it was so great that he had mentioned this, that he was telling us we were on a conference call earlier, earlier this week, or I guess it was last week, about, he says, when he's working on, at home, if he takes a phone call, he'll make a point to get up and pace. And it's just a way for him to get some exercise so he's not cramped behind the desk. And of course, if you're on a video call, like it would be weird if I got up and started pacing in this room right now. But if I'm just on the phone, it's a great time to, uh, to kind of walk around and, and get some physical activity in. Um, when working at home, make sure, if you are working from home, um, make a point to get up every hour or so just to kind of wash your hands if you have other people at home maybe you could greet them and say hey just want to say hi um and then go back into your workspace take a moment to just kind of ground yourself maybe even jump outside really quick and just get a breath of fresh air um, another one is taking a hot shower about one to two hours before bedtime. Um, I actually just read an article about this that uh, there's some evidence to support that it could help you sleep because it induces what our bodies do naturally in sleep, which is we, we kind of cool down. And I know taking a hot shower is like, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, when our shower is around 100 degrees or 104 degrees, not that we measure it, but when it's that temperature, our bodies are trying to cool our cool itself down just like it does during sleep. So that might be why it helps us to sleep a little bit more or a little bit better when we, uh, when we take a shower beforehand. So, and then again, taking advantage of that time where we used to commute and I usually have an hour each way. So now I have an extra two hours. So what are we doing with that time? I know for me, I'm actually sleeping a little bit more, which feels wonderful. Um, but instead I could also stretch or do yoga. So uh, again, here are some, here are some ideas for, uh, for, for committing to person or to our physical self-care. And you'll see that's divided into personal and workplace. And as the next slide comes up, I think something else that's really important to, uh, to take note of is that creating firm boundaries might be a little bit more difficult during this time. You know, this comprehensive self-care plan divides it into personal and workspace, but it's kind of under the assumption that we go to work but now our work and personal are very much embedded. So what do you need to do to create some of those boundaries for yourself? Maybe at five o'clock, you really do turn all of your work emails off. Maybe you do turn off anything work-related and only do personal between the hours of nine and five or eight and five. Or if there are any other ways, maybe you put all your papers away that have to do with work, take them off your desk, put them somewhere else so you can't see them. Um, but yeah, I'm interested in hearing or at least encouraging you all to think about still being able to create boundaries when possible. Um, and yeah, just recognizing that our work is now in our personal space. So uh, something to consider. So for psychological or mental, now this isn't necessarily emotional. That's going to be the next category. Um, but I kind of went with the same theme in this section. It's that maintaining a regular schedule. 
So whether it's a personal schedule or a work schedule, um, for personal, I put going to bed around the same time as before. Um, and actually, uh, Hannah, who's one of our lead implementation specialists, um, she actually has a, a great bit of, uh, of knowledge around sleep hygiene and and sleep habits can be really important in taking care of ourselves. And one of the most important things is actually waking up at the same time every day. Now, I have to, I have to agree that I am not good at that. And since I haven't, uh, since my gym is closed and I only have a, you know, a 30 second commute, um, I've actually been taking advantage of that and sleeping. So <laughs> not a good example, but Hannah makes a really excellent point that keeping that uh, wake up time the same, um, there's evidence to support that, that contributes to overall well-being. So keeping those schedules can be a really great way to, re to, to have control and have some certainty in our day-to-day -day, where before a lot of that certainty was taken away from us. Um, and same with work, um, maintaining a regular schedule. Like we start our day still at 8.30 and I think most of us pretty much end at five. We have a daily check-in, which has been really great to kind of ground us. I get to see everyone's faces. Even though we're across internet lines, it's still really, really helpful to have that grounding point in your day. And also related to workplace, and this could re relate to personal as well, but make it a point to learn something new. Um, being able to uh, learn new skills gain new knowledge as it relates to work or even if it doesn't relate to work those can be a really those can be really awesome ways to just kind of take care of ourselves um, so i did put that there under workplace and then finally under personal just creating an achievable list of things that need to get done around the house you know i know or i imagine extra cleaning is on our on our radars because um, we hear about it every day when we're doing social uh, when we're on the news or listening to social media or whatever it is see a lot of people cleaning and um, if that's something you feel the need to do more of around your house make a list and make sure it's actually achievable don't put anything on there that you don't think you're going to do because then you're going to you may end up feeling a little bit worse if you don't do it so making lists and being able to follow those lists and feel free i give you permission to put things on the list that you've already done just so you have the joy of scratching it off i'm a big fan of that so now we move into emotional and relational so this really talks about our, our emotions and, and how we're feeling. So a lot of this we've talked about, but being aware of what our current level of distress is and being able to record it and maybe even seeing if there are changes throughout the day. Making a list of things that you're grateful for, that can be really powerful, particularly in times like this. I, I'm incredibly grateful that I have a job. Um, I know there are so many people who have been, been laid off recently. And, and also, you know, it doesn't fit neatly into these categories, but remembering that you have a purpose. Even if you're at home and you are feeling a little bit lonely, or maybe you're not doing as much work as you were doing before all of this uh, came to our reality, remember that you absolutely have a purpose and your role is so important. And as soon as we can, we're gonna be back out there doing the hard work if you're not already doing it presently. So don't forget about that purpose you serve in life and in your role at work, because that can be incredibly motivating, but it could also kind of start to slip away when we're, when we're a little bit isolated. So don't forget about your purpose. 
Um, we've talked about listening to music before, and that's certainly something I enjoy doing. Um, but as it relates to work, you know, being able to check in with colleagues throughout the day and say, hey, I hope you're doing okay, or I want to say hi. Setting up a lunch session is another way to stay connected and, um, and uh, be able to connect with others. So just like you would go to lunch with somebody during the workday, you could do the same thing, but you know, obviously you're, you're over video when you just have your lunch and you chat. Um, that might be a nice thing to do. And I think there's been a lot of uh, things going on outside of uh, the home place, but like where people are maybe watching movies together, um, like everyone's watching the same movie, but then they're able to chat about it. So very similar to if you were actually in the same room. So I think those are some really great ideas and really ways to be creative about staying engaged and connected with others. Um, and then, you know what, even maybe writing in a journal um, before you start your work day. I think that could be either workplace or personal. I think that category falls into either. But remember, writing in a journal doesn't work for everybody. Uh, some people, the burden is more stressful than, uh, uh, than the stress they're experiencing that they want to journal about. So if you find yourself in that category, then don't worry about it. Not everybody wants to journal or, or gets a lot of value out of it. But if you do think it would be helpful, I'd encourage you to try it. And I'm going to show you some examples of applications you can use. And then finally is the spiritual category. This is the fourth section on Patricia Burke's comprehensive self-care plan. And again, it's divided up into workplace and personal. Uh, some of these things we've probably already talked about a bit, but practicing deep breathing exercises, the meditation that Jean guided us through is an excellent way to start your day um, using Headspace, um, doing uh, uh, maybe reading the book that talks about meditation and mindfulness, any of those things can be really powerful. If you use prayer, um, if you have a belief in a higher power, going to those things and using those sources and even using the internet, you know, going on YouTube, if you're not able to go to church, but you know that there's a YouTube station that's consistent with your faith, being able to find some of those resources and participating in them. Um, and maybe instead of going to church on Sunday, if, you not, if you're not able to go to church, being able to watch uh, a church service from YouTube might be a great way to stay in touch with that spiritual component. Um, of course, being mindful, practice mindful acceptance. And um, Elizabeth Mackey, who's on the line, um, she is going to be presenting um, later this week on, on acceptance. So I encourage everybody to, uh, to sign up for that. Um, it's, acceptance is so important in times like this. And then just to give another plug to Lisa Davis, she's going to be doing a presentation as well. And that's going to be on mood regular uh, emotional regulation. So again, these all come uh, all are paired very nicely. So I encourage you all to register for those two as well, assuming that there's still space. So I had mentioned that there are some applications for journaling and tracking your mood, and here are some. Um, I don't. We don't particularly endorse these. Um, I don't get any kickbacks if you sign up and say you heard about them through uh, PMHP. I have no financial investment in them, um, but I do use day one, uh, day one Journal. It's a really nice application to do some journaling. And I also have iMood Journal on my, uh, on my phone. It's a great way to do those subjective units of distress throughout the day and just using your phone. Um, it makes it really easy. You could set up reminders when they say, hey, check in with your mood. 
um, it, it's a it's it's kind of neat, and it's really helpful for me to be able to look at how I've been feeling and um, and to be able to recognize trends and patterns. And of course, there is the old school pen and paper. And uh, when you're done writing, you don't have to worry about who's looking online at our information we put in. So you could take the paper and shred it if you don't want anyone to see it. And the other one, uh, the other apps up there, I have some familiar uh, familiarity with. Um, so I put those on there as well. But there are a variety of applications out there that can really help you with tracking your mood and journaling about it. And also, uh, uh, Beth Bromley, she's talking, uh, she put some information on our chat box about, um, about looking at podcasts um, with spiritual practices. That's a great idea. I, I forgot all about podcasts and there are so many of those out there that might be a great opportunity to find some that match with your spiritual preferences. So um, uh, again, take, uh, take advantage of all of those different, um, different resources that are out there. So I wanna end and just say, first of all, thank you so much for participating in this pretty short webinar. And um, this was kind of our test case. This is the first time that we as PMHP have done a webinar. And so uh, we were, were excited. It seemed like it went pretty smoothly. There haven't been any major glitches. Um, I'm actually gonna end the slideshow and they're gonna see just my face for a moment as we wrap up and say thank you. Let's see if I can do that. And again, I just want to say thank you so much. Um, as I say kind of my final farewell, if you have any questions or comments, please type those in. We have some time to be able to answer some questions. And also, you know, if you're feeling frustrated and you're wondering where did all the toilet paper go, it wasn't me. I had nothing to do with buying all of the toilet paper around the city. I don't know where you would get that impression. All right, that was my one joke. Um, let me go back. All right, you know, there's a similarity to telling jokes through Zoom. I don't hear any laughter. Same with when I tell jokes in person. I still don't hear any laughter. Anyways, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, really great comment. Um, I see a comment here that says, understand the importance of acknowledging and validating feelings in regards to COVID, but is it okay to redirect the topic to something else? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's really about, um, yeah, yeah. And I see that the, the topic does cause stress. And so remember, everyone has their, their own way uh, of, of coping. And for some people, it's like, let's get the basic information about what you need to know to stay safe and take care of your family. And the rest, you don't need to worry about it. So redirecting the conversation, maybe distracting yourself is an excellent thing to do. And that might be done through music. It might be talking about normal things that you used to talk about before, before all of this came up. So I, I do appreciate you bringing that up because you're right, it's, it can be so overwhelming. And I think setting parameters around how much news you take in can be helpful. I, I think you could probably get what you need with 30 minutes of looking at the news or maybe checking with the LA Times a couple times a day or whatever news source you have just to make sure you know you're, you, you have the facts. But then keeping the distance from the rest, I think, is a really great idea. Because remember, it's like that rumination. The more and more information we get, the more we think about something, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to get any closer to solving the problem. So, um, so take care of yourself and, and, and do what feels right. So thank you. I appreciate you bringing that up. 
Yeah, we absolutely, I, we have a comment here. It says that it's great to know we can purposely distract ourselves, watch a movie, read a book and, and do something pleasurable. You know, the only time that distraction becomes a problem is if, if we're actively avoiding it and we're not getting information we need. But that's, you know, as long as you're getting what you need, yes, get the facts, take care of yourself and family and then do something enjoyable um, and feel free to distract yourself. Have every right to do so. And one final thank you for doing such amazing work. And um, I know the people that you serve are very grateful for having such wonderful providers out there who are really concerned about the world. So thanks for all your great work and keeping LA uh, safe and healthy. So stay well, and I will stay on the line just in case there are any more questions or comments, but otherwise you can feel free to, to log off and enjoy your day.